Hi, I'm Sean Silver. You might recognize my voice from the radio. My longtime friend Patrick O'Connor and I are excited to introduce our new basketball podcast, Over 30 League. Podcasting's a young man's game, and we're not that. Both became dads in the past couple of years. It's pretty much the greatest thing ever, but you toss in a pandemic, working from home, let's just say our relationship with the NBA has changed. What you're about to hear is where we are as fans right now. This is Over 30 League. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. So it's 36 degrees. I'm out on my porch because it's the only place that I can get some peace and quiet around my house right now. But we have good news for basketball on a Tuesday afternoon. Giannis, Supermax, Milwaukee, five years. And I just, I love it, man. Um, I love the fact that he's staying in the small market, just like Lillard did with Portland. You know, these guys staying home with the teams that drafted them. We get more entertaining basketball out of those markets. You know, I'm excited that the Celtics get to play the Bucks or the Blazers on league pass. And it's not like, you know, the old disgruntled superstar needs to go to greener pastures thing that we just see over and over again. I feel like for years it's been like, oh, the Celtics, they need to get Kevin Love from Minnesota or they need to get uh, DeMarcus Cousins from Sacramento or Paul George, he probably wants out of Indiana, right? Or Anthony Davis, he's going to want out of New Orleans. And all those guys went somewhere else, and a couple of them had success and got rings, and a couple of them just couldn't take away the height and the expectations. So you leave these guys in the places that they are, and we just continue to get good basketball out of those places, distributes the you know the greatness across the league rather than just piling up in a, a few major cities. I love it. it. It's it's like anything can happen in the NBA, and it, it's not like we're going to get Warriors camps every every June because we can predict it. It's it's more of what we got last year. Milwaukee's going to be a contender for the next five years. Portland's going to be in the mix. These these small markets can compete. So I'm in on this. I love it. But of course, everybody now is going to be talking about James Harden. All right, my kid's up from his nap, so all hell's breaking loose. See ya. So <clears throat> let me give you a breakdown of where I was when I got your message. So after uh, chasing the kid around and uh, vacuuming bits of food out of her high chair with a uh, with a new Dyson, which is like the coolest toy in the house, um, I was checking. I was on Slack and I just started getting ping, 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 pings from people on my team saying ESPN reports, and I immediately figured like Marcus Smart blew out his ACL or the Rick Girls sold the team or whatever. I'm just kind of in the mindset of um, it's 2020 and more bad shit will keep happening. So it was a real welcome sight to see that uh, Giannis signed the Supermax. And I agree with everything you said, where it's great for small market teams. I think it gives hope to every market that isn't New York, L.A., or Miami. Um, I think that's really, really great. I like the fact that the Giannis is going to make that his home. And um, Kevin O'Connor on uh, the mismatch today brought up a really good point saying that uh, he became a man in Milwaukee. Like he was 18 when he went to Milwaukee and he's experienced so much. And the Milwaukee Bucks have done a lot to help him improve the quality of his life. He just had a kid and he's gone from being a, a, a child, a man child in the NBA at 18 to being a, a, a man now starting family. Now, granted, there's a concern troll part of me that's worried that he's going to, you know, in a couple of years, he's going to 
pulling Abdul, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, you know, or uh, a, uh, a Lou Alcindor to keep it in Milwaukee, but to keep it Anthony Davis or to kind of go the uh, the supermax player route. But I honestly think that Giannis might be the hearkening of a new type of generation of talent where not only is he super athletic, but also that it really embodying the idea that market doesn't matter and choosing happiness over what's the best fit for you and not necessarily just, you know, chasing the, uh, like just being like, you know, MVP level stuff, the way we see the current NBA, like superstar poster dudes doing it. LeBron, AD, Harden, they kind of fit a certain mold, you know? I mean, it's that early 2000s uh, superstar that just kind of like wanted to do, wants to do it their own way, wants to rewrite the rules to fit them and all the power to you in doing that. You have to shoot your shot when you have it like that. But Giannis might be a different type of dude. It might be the international influence of these guys coming in, just playing the sport differently. I think comparing... Uh, basketball to other generations of basketball or even to other sports, the way, you know, you had mentioned like, well, you know, green teamers are like, we got to get this guy or we got to get Kevin Love or, you know, Paul George wants out of Indiana. I think maybe we got to start looking at uh, the NBA, like soccer, you know, or like football and uh, football being football, Europe, football, football, um, in the sense that it's just like, it just doesn't necessarily work like that. And I don't mean that we should start following international soccer because who has the time, but in the way that it's like uh, we don't talk about soccer the way because we don't know the superstars there. I almost wish people looked at basketball the same way. I'm tired of hearing like you know, <laughs> arguing that the LA Galaxy should be trying to get Messi, you know, just because they know Lionel Messi is the name of the soccer player. So I mean. For basketball, people who are calling in radio stations and saying, we got to get this guy, we got to get that guy, uh, I'd rather, like, let them chirp, man. I mean, I think basketball is evolving into its own new thing. And uh, the combination of people wanting to stay mindful and putting their happiness first and making decisions based on what's best for the total situation. Sorry, my dog shit on the wall. Um, where was I? Yeah. No, I think it's I think it's a good for small market teams to be evolving along with basketball. And uh, and this gives me a lot of hope, uh, not only for Giannis and, and the strength of the Eastern Conference and, you know, building a contender in a small market, which is just great for hoop heads and probably bad for ESPN, which is fine by me. Uh, it's uh, hopefully just, you know, it's it's just going to be that good players that look for good situations, not necessarily good media markets. Um, all right. I got to figure this out, uh, the shit. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Hey, what's up? So I'm actually making this call inside. No, no, no dog. You, there's nothing going on. I just let her out. I have no idea. She's, the anxiety is through the roof since we've been home here with the, uh, everything going on in the world. Our, our freaking dog is just like, you move an inch. She's like, what? What's going on? The wife is at a doctor's appointment, uh, a very important one. Uh, we don't know. Well, this baby is due on December 25th. Uh, we don't know if that's possibly going to happen beforehand, so I may know a little bit more about that very soon. Um, in the interim, uh, I got your message. Uh, you made a good point about how happiness matters. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, like, 
I was thinking about the guys that was running down yesterday who, who wanted out and all the speculation over whether or not they were going to leave. Another guy's Russ. I mean, sometimes wanting out means you wind up in goddamn Washington. I mean, not like Oklahoma City is making the U.S. News and World Report list of great places to live in America, but, I mean, that's the first guy since Oscar Robertson to average a triple-double, and now he's in a basketball wasteland. So, you know, good luck with that. Um, and, and I mean, like, championships are nice, but we've got all these guys from growing up that never won a ring. And unless you're looking at, like, the Bill Simmons Hall of Fame pyramid, that doesn't really matter. I mean, Patrick Ewing is still one of the greatest centers of all time, and he'll likely stay right where he is because center is a dead position. And Charles Barkley's probably bigger now than any player from that era other than Jordan, a fun-loving guy who happened to be an awesome basketball player. It just transcends the fact that he never managed to pull the Sixers or the Suns or the Rockets, you know. By the way, I I hope you wind up getting the dog shit off the bed. That just sounds absolutely terrible. Um, And I hope it went well. I'm just, overall, I'm mostly just happy that the basketball wins with the honest deal. I just think that having little outposts of, you know, greatness, superstars here and there and everywhere just makes it a better league rather than having it all concentrated on the coast or in Chicago. Um, although not right now with Chicago. Um, my office is having a virtual holiday party at 1 o'clock. I don't really know uh, what this will be like with 90 people on a Zoom call. Uh, but I'm supposed to wear uh, festive garb. I currently am wearing a black sweatshirt with a Celtic hat on my head. Um, you know, one of those beanie hats. Um, so that's green. Maybe if I just put a red sweatshirt on, that will work. I don't know. Anyway, uh, good luck with the shit. And uh, hopefully we'll link up tomorrow. Hey, Sean, what's up? I saw you call. Didn't get your voicemails yet. Uh, I just snuck out of the house to run a quick errand before we get, I don't know, what my wife is describing as like a giant storm that could dump a couple feet of snow on us. I have not paid attention to the news at all. I've been more focused on NBA Twitter. And uh, there's been a blizzard of takes about James Harden's weight uh, last night and today, which I think is probably bad. You know, even people calling him Perk. I mean, I know like these guys with pretty thick skin. They say terrible things to each other. Like the time Kevin Garnett called Charlie Villanueva a cancer patient because he has alopecia. I don't know. I just kind of have a feeling like that's the like calling James Harden fat is. Um, I don't know. It seems very anti 2020, while also being a very 2020 thing where everyone gives a shit what this guy does with his life and what it's time and how he's not being COVID safe but then also fat shames him, you know? And uh, I think it was just a bad angle. And I was, you know, guilty of it too. I mean, I was trying to find like a good meme or gif that kind of uh, celebrated it or poked fun at it. I wanted to use a gif of uh, Damon Wayans in The Great White Hype when he weighs in and then he tells uh, like the media he's a boxer and then tells the media that he did get in shape round and I thought that would be funny, but then I thought, like, why would I do that? Why would I fat shame this guy who I, like, paid money to watch play basketball? It just seems mean. I don't know why we're doing that. 
if this was anybody else, wouldn't people be coming to James Harden's defense? I don't know why we're shitting on this guy for having a good time, other than the fact this is the one time in the history of man when you're not supposed to have a good time. So I don't know, a couple thoughts for you there. Um, all right, I got to go buy some de-icer and also figure out how many clip bars it's going to take to feed my family in case, uh, I don't know, in case we can't get out of the house for a couple days and the fucking power goes out. All right, bye. So the last I heard from you, you were going out to the grocery store and the world was about to end. The East Coast just got belted by a snowstorm. Patrick O'Connor, it's a Friday mid-afternoon. We're finally catching up. How the hell are you? So here's where I am. It's you describing that the East Coast has been destroyed by this time of snowstorm or really anything. I was about to go to run to the grocery store. You got a frantic message from me. You could be describing any point in time between really our whole friendship, but more more <laughs> recently, March of 2022 current. Um, same as it ever was. Mm. Uh, yeah, it was, I had (laughs) that day, I had arranged my work schedule to be able to run out, do some strategic errands, finish uh, some Christmas shopping to put some stocking stuffers in my wife's stocking and Mm -hmm. for the, and for the, and for my, my daughter's stocking. I got back was all right. I've completed my objective. I scheduled my time effectively, stuck this into a work day, feeling pretty good about it. Yeah. Got home, immediately realized I forgot to get the stuff that I went out to get and said, fuck, <laughs> as loud as I could without waking up the child. Thank God my mother-in-law was here to, so I could then run back you could out. hear that and observe it. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> to watch her son-in-law melt down. Uh, then I ran back outside got in the car to go do the prime objective, Aaron, call you and talk about hoops. Hmm. But you had your own stuff going on, so it was just a frantic voicemail. Yeah, man. I um, So we're recording this on a Friday afternoon. I ran outside, you know, got the uh, got the old snowblower going. I think we got about a foot down here. I heard that up up in northern New England, they, they got a bunch. Yeah, we got about a foot in, in the ham as well. And speaking of snowblowing, I had my, my maiden voyage on a snowblower yesterday. Yeah. Uh, my downstairs neighbor had got one from Facebook Marketplace. We asked her if we could use it. She said, yes, it's electric powered. So we're running two to three extension cords Run through her cords. house. Yeah. Through, through her house. <laughs> so I, can, <laughs> I can only use the snowblower when she's home and, and feeling generous. And wow. this thing is janky as hell anyway and not very strong. So, like, I'm pushing it back and forth like I'm spreading grass seed. For all you lawn enthusiasts out oh. there, and completely shook the bolt out of the left side of the handle. So oh, she's gonna love I, you now. So I gotta go find a screw, put this thing back together, and um, I, and mind me, I'm not gonna find the screw. I have to find just any other screw in my house that can hold this thing together. Probably duct tape it and hand it back to her. You can be like, oh, you, oh, you want? I don't know what I'm gonna do. It's just. It, it's just a lot, John. <laughs> it's just a lot. Uh, well, all right. It's it's technically the Friday. We're at work right now. <laughs> supposed to be working. Yes. But there's just a lot going on with hoops. And I need just like this little port in the storm, an island in the stream to just kind of like swim towards. And that's a quick midday chat about the burgeoning 2020-2021 season. With, we uh, do that. Man, 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 man. 
we bang out a couple of hours of work this afternoon. I'm going to get Will from daycare at four. And uh, and then, you know, it's it's whatever until bedtime. So, yeah, this is the this is the port in the storm. Uh, but straight up, one thing that's on my mind and this is this is league wide. I feel like this is the new like training camp line. Jason mm-hmm. Tatum is 6'10". Like, is this the new he's in the best shape of his life? You know, that, that you get from every general manager or coach at the right. beginning of a training camp. Like I was checking out during our fantasy draft the other night and I, I clicked on a player's name. I forget who it was. It, it could have been, you know, uh, freaking Porzingis. And they could have said that he's now seven five. But another general manager was claiming that his player had grown. Like, what is going on around here? Uh, yeah, I mean, to your first point, I think that the way – either press agents or PR teams or whatever, tell their guys to respond to questions about how training camp is going is the same way. A and R people at like for people who used to release albums, we're told to talk about the work that they were doing when they were doing press for that. Like, I think it's some of the best work we've ever done, whether it's album three or if it's album 25, the new stuff, it's, it's really good. It's the best stuff we've ever done. So I think they're still growing or they grew another couple inches. It just kind of is that standard answer. But to your point, what the man at 23, who is still growing at 23? I mean, Giannis, right? Didn't that was the whole, the whole thing with Giannis that he went from like that even after his second or third year in the NBA, he was still growing. I feel like so Lee, here's a multi-level, here is a trifle cake of ideas. Ooh. I think that A, yeah, oh, delicious. Strawberries, shortcake, lady fingers, berries, whipped cream. Lady fingers, ground All beef, of sweet stuff. It's a cat, it's a dessert casserole of a metaphor coming your way. Okay, so I think ground beef. So it's, it's a friend's I episode. When Sorry, the, yeah. <laughs> I think when the national narrative around a player is that they're still growing, it's like a wink wink to like this is going to be our guy this season Ooh. because they did that with Giannis. Anytime a player is like, Ooh, are they going to make the leap? Or have they made the leap yet? If they're hedging their bet, it's that they're still growing or they're in the best shape of their life or whatever. It's kind of like a, you know, it's not the, it's just over the table minimum if they're if they're playing blackjack, right? They're not going all in, but it's like a 25 minimum bet table. Here's $30 in chips. We're just testing it out because then you can layer up to the next thing where it's like, okay, he's in the best shape of his life now. Oh, okay. Like, is this the season? And they're just hedging their bet. Okay. Uh, I feel like that's the safest way to assume that's what it means. But also, a couple good months of limited travel, good sleep, same bed every night, working out, can't really go out and mess around. Maybe it's like now that his body is on like a normal, a more normal schedule, he's catching up. He's not, you know, not going to sleep at 4 a.m., waking up at noon to go to practice to play. Maybe just like the regularity that he's found through quarantine and the bubble and getting back to Boston and or whatever he summers quote unquote that it's just that's led to this plus yeah in 23 the new 17 that's the new Spurs. so it's like a little it's like a little wrestling kayfabe you know it's like this right. is our guy now we're gonna strap strap a rocket to his ass so right. we're gonna come up with something that sets him apart makes him unique right um all right all right I'll, I'll buy this that. Phrase, but this phrase that he's still growing to keep your wrestling analogy going, this is like when we bring them out after the show, just for like the dark main event, see what the uh, 
to see what the the crowd thinks of them. If they really go nuts, they're they're soft testing. Because that's what I'm seeing. People going nuts. They're saying, "Wow!" So Jason Tatum's six ten now. So he's basically Kevin Durant, is what you're saying. Right. Exactly. It's With the way defense. to it's the way to categorize a player that you like to put them in a different league than everybody else. League, quote unquote. Speaking of, you know, somebody who is in a different league from everybody else. I mean, you know, you got you got money, then you got NBA money, then you got Kardashian money. I saw this news, and uh, I I am upset to uh, to to quote my friend Joe Murray from the Sports Hub in Boston. Here, I am Drake upset. I'm upset that Khloe uh, Kardashian has descended upon the city. It was spotted out having just dinner with Tristan Thompson, and we got our first Kardashian headline of the season. Kardashian sighting of the season. I said it in a tweet earlier today. Get the Kardashians the hell away from my basketball team. Well, two things are going to come from this. Number one, the real thing, you don't need to be worried about Tristan Thompson. He's here to play a role. He's going to do that expertly. What he really needs to do, or what I would be worried about, is Kendall Jenner uh, stealing the heart of Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. That's the real threat of the Kardashians being in Boston. Not that I think either will happen, but that's the real threat, my dude. The other thing that's going to happen, guaranteed, is that I'm going to pitch the idea of making a T-shirt jersey with number 13 on it and put Kardashian on the back instead of Thompson. And just like when Chris Humphreys was here, every like local sports blog or sports place that does T-shirts as well is going to think that's a dumb idea, and they're going to miss out on making millions of dollars. <laughs> that's assured. And somehow that bastard Dave Portnoy is out there – just, just raking on it my in. corner, man. Raking it corner. in. Yeah, exactly. He's... And his company got bought by a by a casino. Yeah. Well, I'll get a note into my into to my contacts at Encore. See if they want to get in the t-shirt game. <laughs> they could put it on that um that giant Popeye statue. <laughs> That's That'd be a great, okay. great way to advertise their wares. So it only took Tristan Thompson three weeks to get a statue in Boston. It took Bill Russell about 40 years. Cool. <laughs> oh, That's where we're at. All right. So moving on to the next thing. And this this time it'll be an ex-Celtic. Kyrie's doing Kyrie things. Um, this is this has kind of been an ongoing topic throughout the offseason slash, you know, training camp ramp up for for whatever training camp is worth this year, worth this year. I mean, we're getting two preseason games out of the hole. The whole deal, one of which will be, you know, Friday night, Brooklyn coming to Boston. Uh, I listened to Roger Bell this week um, over on the the Ringer podcast network there. And, you know, Roger Bell being a former player, most known for his time with Philly and Utah. And, you know, he was kind of talking about the evolving relationship between players and the media, which is you know obvious because players have more of a mouthpiece now for themselves with with social media. But, you know, Kyrie Irving just taking it to the extreme end of you know that that evolution of the relationship i mean some people around here at least nationally they look at kyrie and say well boston was you know way too hard on this guy they're just you know and this is just typical of celtics fans they're going to get mad petty and and all that i i'm kind of wondering like i mean do you you think that's fair do i think it's fair no because i don't think anything with kyrie is fair yeah, I mean, like you were talking about two different things here. Yes. Number one is that for people to defend anything at all, and this is just, I think, the effect of COVID on, on me, a young father, anything that affects anything that's affecting 
your life based in your kitchen or your living room or your basement or whatever. Yeah. Be as opinionated as you want. Anything else, let it go by and it doesn't matter. But for people on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, acting all up in arms about something, it's the easiest shit in, in the world for them to have an opinion on. For anyone to take that seriously or to be like, you shouldn't do this to Kyrie or whatever, like, I shouldn't care that they care enough to tweet less than 280 characters because that's all that it is. So the media playing into that just gets people to come back to the media. It's a whole lot of nothing, man. I think that Raja has some points. Kyrie has some points. No one is debating the validity of Kyrie's core argument. What people take umbrage with, or pe- what people have a problem with, is the way Kyrie carries these things out. Mm-hmm. Like, so to say, like when when the first game when Brooklyn played Boston last year, and Kyrie couldn't make the trip, couldn't handle mm-hmm. criticism. Right, mm-hmm. that's largely what the the story was. Even like people with reputable sources were saying, like, he just doesn't face the criticism very well, which I would say is true. Who does? Who among us? can handle criticism of people booing at you. You know, there before the grace of God go, I, I would melt. That said, him acting like this is all, it's all a game. It's, there's more to life than this. Like his whole first post last year, like my dude, no, there's not. And if there is, then get out of the spotlight. Like, of course there's more to life, but there's more to life for absolutely everybody. Your feelings are hurt. Say that hurts your feelings. Don't try to convince me you're smarter than I am. Yeah, like, and that's and that's kind of the thing that popped into my mind as this was unraveling. And, you know, I've been listening to uh, the Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast. And, you know, um, Rick Barry was, was the topic recently, maybe a couple of weeks ago. And they were just kind of talking about, you know, Rick Barry, one of the greatest players of all time, but, you know, made a lot of ego-driven moves that, you know, really bit him in the ass in the end. And, you know, part of it was just like his relationship with everybody. He, uh, a former teammate was just cited as saying he had this, you know, like I'm better than you air. And I feel like that's been Kyrie, like going back to Duke. Like, yeah. like he, he didn't, he didn't play hardly at all at Duke. You know, it was, that was just a, a landing spot for him to, you know, to get to the NBA. Then in Cleveland, he was, freezing out his teammates and not talking to him for weeks and you know at, at a point where you're one of the best teams in the NBA and then he gets to Boston and there's that whole weird thing it's just it's like it's like he's the CM Punk of of uh of the NBA and and you know in, in a way he kind of is he goes rogue he's he shows that he's hypersensitive he makes some statements that have an air of truth to them but you know are also like damning in a way I'm going to dig into that because there, there's a lot of things there. So number one, Kyrie's talent is undeniable. Unbelievable. Like he's, he's just very, 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 very good. He, the unfortunate thing for Kyrie, and he is as good as some of the players that he compares himself to. He should yeah. be considered in those conversations, 100%. Yeah. He's, he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. There's no doubt. No doubt. The issue, the difference between him and the people he puts himself in league with is that they did not have the outlet that he has. Hmm. They had the same feelings being like, this is why am I being booed? This is bullshit. I want to make the best decision for me. I don't owe it to anyone else. You're right. You don't a hundred percent. No one would disagree with you if that's what you said, but you're not saying that instead you're blasting your feelings out there 
And it's just giving people more ammo to give you a hard time. Like, I don't think this is a mental health thing with Kyrie. I mean, everyone has, everyone could benefit from talking it out. But the difference between us and Kyrie is he's doing that in a very public way. Yeah. So you're not picking apart. You're not like putting out the flame. You're not turning off the gas on the stove. <laughs> you're just fucking throwing water on a gas fire, which is going to work. Um, so I think that's kind of what it is. That being said, Kyrie, shut the fuck up now. Just someone take his phone away. Like, cause it's just like, this stuff isn't going to help you. It's only yeah. going to keep hurting you. It, it's um, like, it's like the kid, you know, who gets bullied in school and obviously like bullying is wrong. Right. But you know, the kid doesn't do himself any favors when he just gives the bullies more ammunition. Right. I mean, you're not addressing the problem. I saw this. I mean, not, not that I, that. not to, I mean, this is an audio format. <laughs> I doubt yeah. anyone's seen this, but I saw a GIF, I think it was on Bleacher Report or something like that last year for the MVP race and it was Giannis and LeBron, right? So I, it's an animated one. Mm-hmm. And it's this foot race and, and Giannis pulls ahead. And then the animation goes to the, like, he stops and he's got the MVP trophy. But then Giannis looks up and LeBron's still running and he's chasing a goat, mm. right? So what I'm trying to say is, is that Kyrie like is has all the talent in the world could be the savior of any franchise he goes to leading to my next point but he's doing all of these things but he's being short-sighted about it like the difference between him and the players that he thinks he is in the same caliber of is they don't pay attention to like the little stuff LeBron has put his foot in his mouth a million times mm. you know remember when he argued for contraction of the league yeah. And then said he didn't know what contraction meant. That's dumb. That's way dumber than like, you guys know it's all a game, right? Like, fuck you, bud. It's just one of these things where you just kind of have to keep going forward, stop reminding people of what they were mad about or giving you a hard time for. Shove it down their throat. Get a little Rick Mahorn in ya. you. Know? <laughs> be the bully. Be, be the person the Morris twins want you to think that they are. You know? But... To your point, yep. like you see the CM Punk of the NBA, partially, but not the CM Punk we remember. The CM Punk that was like at the end of his career wearing Randy Savage and Bret Hart styled stuff because they left the WWE in a huff. Mm. And he was doing the same things while he's still there. It's like, dude, the difference between Punk and those guys was like, well, they left, man. And they also didn't let it go. But they weren't as public about it because they weren't using the, the you know the megaphones that people have now. Right. It's just that's that's the detriment of just like blasting your shit out there. Yeah, and I, now that's the now that's the sort of thing where you look at like Bret Hart as you know fifty something retired wrestler, and now everybody has a podcast and they invite Bret Hart on there, and, and now he is airing his dirty laundry in places other than just that book that he he wrote a great book. But you were only going to pick that book up if you were a hardcore Bret Hart fan. Right. right, you can listen to Bret Hart anywhere. Anybody can, and it's like, wow, dude's bitter. It's it's just yeah. everything is amplified. You know, the fact that we can amplify ourselves through this podcast is is one example. Because twenty years ago, this is just you and I, you know, in a dorm room having a conversation with a couple exactly. of people. You know, right? Maybe recording it on a Talkboy. Who knows? <laughs> but I think the who I, who he really reminds me. In the dumb, it, I think he has a better chance of turning into Stefan Marbury, yeah. unbelievable talent, 
like got the label of a head case as he got older and bounced yeah. around. Yeah. So, like the thing is, is that Kyrie is going to keep doing this. It's not good. Brooklyn's not going to be the last time he does this. Uh, it's just not. And it, that's totally fine. But like at some point you got to call it what it is. Do you have a shelf life on Kyrie in Brooklyn? How long will be there? <sighs> Two years. From now. Yeah, I think yeah. like well, I mean, he's one year into his contract. I think he yeah. either opts out or gets traded by the third by the final year of his contract. Yeah, I just no. I don't think it's going to no. go the whole way. No. I think there's just it's just not. I just don't think it's in his nature. And I also think that like Brooklyn as a franchise is if they want to go keep getting other guys, it's just I just don't think they're not the Miami Heat in 2010. They're just not. They're not even the Lakers in 2012. Yeah, but you know, I mean, that that could change. You know, as of recording time right now, there's still. I I just heard it this morning. I flicked on the radio. Will did not want to listen to Christmas music, so I was like, "All right, how about some sports talk, buddy?" As we make our five minute drive over to daycare, and uh, they were just talking. You know, I mean, the James Harden thing still definitely on the table. Uh, yesterday, Daryl Morey came out and said we're not trading Ben Simmons, which clearly is code for we are certainly considering trading Ben Simmons. So, I mean, you know, a lot of things could change, whether it's Brooklyn that's involved, whether it's Miami, you know, that that now that they're out of the Giannis hunt, and we kind of dissected that earlier this week. There's some, uh, what would you call it, some chips that could fall before opening night. And, uh, you know, then who knows? Because this season's weird. I mean, you don't have like an all-star break. Right. Because there is no all-star game. I don't know if they're still planning on doing a break. I haven't looked at the I schedule. they are still doing a break. My guess is it'll be like community service week or something. Oh, okay. All right. So that's, you know, but so maybe that will be a time when teams kind of evaluate. I know the trade deadline just gets pushed back by virtue of the season starting a little later, but, you know, a lot, a lot can happen. It's just there's weird parameters around here right now. So I just unfortunately think that, like, for Kyrie, he's not always going to be the franchise guy that he thinks that he is and that arguably right. he is now. I think, I think the years for him to be the person you build a team around are gone. There's a better chance of him being Chris Paul where it's like, you get paid a lot of money, but you're a big contract that gets traded for another big contract. Yeah. Or a, another example, you know, but the guy just wound up being out of the league uh, was another former Brooklyn point guard that had high expectations. Darren Williams, Darren Williams. Who, yeah. again, looked like he was on, you know, not as skilled as Kyrie Irving. I think if you're comparing the two, but like was on probably a hall of fame trajectory, you know, his first six, seven seasons in the league and just fell off and was never heard from again. So I mean, yeah, it's not unfamiliar with this uh, with this uh, address here. Yeah, I just think that it's like it's. I mean, I, I there's nothing better than watching someone that good fulfill the destiny of being that good. Mm-hmm. But if you have to hear about how good they are all the time, and then have to hear how well it's not fair what their what the media does to him, or it's a veiled shot at Boston because Boston just treats athletes well, or whatever you want to say, that none of that is addressing the point or the problem Hmm. it's just not so fucking shut up (laughs) all right (laughs) you know um another another ex-boston guy that we got to hit on here because apparently he's got a broken finger now and i feel bad um i i was i was a fan of the guy i i feel like boston uh gave him too much of a hard time i think that that we were too hard on him here but that's gordon hayward um did boston give gordon hayward 
too much of a hard time before he decided to literally just be like, all right, I'm opting out of a guaranteed 35 million, 34, 35 million dollars. And I'm going to goddamn Charlotte. Well, I think we always used to talk about Boston as in the first half of the Stevens era, where it was like, come to Boston, we'll give you your career back. Yeah. Evan Turner. Jordan Crawford. Yeah. Jordan Crawford. Um, uh, yeah, it was just oh, a there great. Were a bunch. There were a bunch. Yeah. But like you come through here, Marky, uh, um, Marcus Morris to a certain extent. Hmm. But you come through here, you rebuild, you play in a good system, we highlight what's good, you move on. Now I think that there's a chance Boston becomes that for upper echelon guys as well. Sign a max deal, get paid a lot of money, take the last year deal, opt out to try to get more money somewhere else because you're playing at a high level. I don't want that to happen, but that's what the early pattern is dictating. I think, so Kemba would be the next guy on the list for that. Um, not that, you know, again, not that I'm hoping that happens, but he's the next person that could apply to. For Gordon, did we give him a hard time? Yeah. And was Boston too hard on him? Yeah, because Boston ultimately doesn't love itself and is too hard on itself, but projects it out at our athletes <laughs> and that's just kind of what we do here. We're self-loathing. It's not your fault, Sean. Is like essentially was I think Matt Tim and Ben Affleck's. Yeah. That was the true love letter of Google Hunting. Was Matt Matt Damon is playing representing Boston, <laughs> and Robin Williams is is portraying who they wish they had in their life. <laughs> All right, but like he's <laughs> dumb. But he's and an imaginary character, and now even yeah. the actor is dead. So fuck you, yeah. Boston. And it's just like, hey, you know, it's it's not your fault. Is all people from Boston want to hear, no matter how awful they are to each other or other cities or athletes or whatever. It's also just an easy, an easy thing to say, like, oh, Boston, this and that, blah, 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 blah. I don't really love the new Sam Adams commercials of your cousin from Boston. I think because it looks a little too much like every person we went to school with. Um, so, but yeah, we we don't really laugh at ourselves very easily. And I think that, so Boston was way too hard on Hayward because we can't have nice things here. I just, I um, feel like Boston roots for like a good comeback story, you know, even, even if like the guy is really shitty, but just the fact that he made the effort and, and Gordon well, Hayward in I my mean, mind made the effort, you know, there, here's a right. guy who, who he put in the time to come back from like a, you know, Joe Theismann, one of the most gruesome injuries you've ever seen in all of professional sports. He had, it. he came back from it. Granted, he didn't live up to, you know, your, and I use the air quotes, expectations. Um, and then the then the dude stays in the bubble when his wife is having a kid. You know, when people straight up opted, you know, like an Avery right. Bradley straight up opted out of even going into the bubble in the first place. Lots of people left the bubble for family mm-hmm. issues. Guy stayed in the bubble when he wasn't 100%, missed his baby being born. And now, you know, a couple mm-hmm. weeks, couple months later, it's like, oh, hallelujah, he's gone. It's easy to hate. Um, and it's easy to, I think here's the thing, why people would herald a miraculous return to action is because it all happened in a green uniform. So remember when Paul George snapped his leg in half yeah. before the Olympics on Team mm-hmm. USA? Mm-hmm. Had he like gone through the end of his contract in um, Indiana and they didn't re-sign him and then Boston picked him up. And he had the same career that Hayward had here. He mm. would be applauded on the way out because Boston gave him a chance to show us how great he was. Uh, 
See what I'm saying? Uh, that's the that's the reclamation piece people love. Boston likes being the Captain Lou Albano. Got to be the one you know who's the advocate, the champion of of right. the uh, of the. But if it's not Boston's idea to write that script and to right. to write the comeback story, then it's then it's no good. I, I'm I'm feeling that you're you're still teaching me things about living here, and I've I've been up around here for what almost 20 years. Jeez, can you think of one person in the NBA that if the Celtics signed tomorrow, he'd get a standing ovation whenever he checked in? If it was if it was a huge name, we'd automatically adopt him. I'm sure. Right, but what if it's not a huge name or a huge guy? No. Wink, wink, wink. You know, I'm getting at. Wait, who are you getting at? Isaiah Thomas. Oh if yeah, because that's a, that's on the table apparently now too. If Danny Ainge signed Isaiah Thomas tomorrow, he'd get a standing O where he played for twenty minutes, forty minutes, or thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. He would get a Paul Pierce's last game in the Garden as a Clipper type of ovation. Mm-hmm. He'd get Dirk Nowitzki in a blowout game, blowout loss from the Celtics or the Celtics blowing up the Mavs. The whole Garden is standing on their feet, cheering like crazy for Dirk just to take a three, which he missed. But still going bananas. That would be the Isaiah Thomas reception. Not because even though he got hurt while he was in Boston, he was then traded because it's easy for them to be like, well, we got Kyrie out of it. We were able to do this. And now we, as a collective fan base, are giving you this opportunity. Mm. We didn't do that with Gordon Hayward. You were supposed to play here because of Brad. You're supposed to be good. You're supposed to well, you're supposed to be able to rain threes, even though that's not his game at all. Yeah. So, and, and he did. He did have one of the best uh, three-point shooting years of his career last year, too. People yeah. just over, people just over like dude had a good season. They were and, ready to. Boston was ready to give up on Gordon Hayward the minute, the minute Jason Tatum started to emerge. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 wild. And now he's uh, now he's down there with Lamelo Ball and, and Terry Rozier. God bless. And, <laughs> that, that being said, enjoy Charlotte, bud. I heard great things about High Point. Just have a great time straight up um charlotte probably not i I don't know i mean seems like after after an investment that they made in hayward and you know the fact that they had a high pick and a highly touted prospect coming in it it seems like you know one might expect them to be in line for a playoff run this year i i was kind of wondering something i was curious if you had any thoughts um so I've been reading this uh, Pro Hoops History uh, does an email newsletter. Uh, that's that's Curtis Harris uh, is the curator of that thing. And he's been doing this uh, series called Almost Upset. And it goes back at playoff series where, you know, you had a, a heavily favored team that almost got run out by a dog in one of the early rounds. You know, whether it's like the 84 Celtics, you know, having a hard time with the with the bullets with uh Rick Mahorn, who you just mentioned, and Jeff Ruland just beating him up in the paint. Or, you know, there's just a, a variety of examples over the years. The late the Showtime Lakers having a hard time, the the Suns in 93 having a hard time with like the Clippers, just various things. And uh, and it just made me kind of think, like, I remember when we were doing knuckle push-ups last year, we were talking about um, you know, how the landscape of the NBA had changed. This year it's it's not so much. Maybe a James Harden deal um, kind of flips the lid on that narrative, but but uh, you know Giannis resigned. Gordon Hayward is like the highest profile move, mm-hmm. at least money wise, that was out there for a guy switching teams. 
And it's like the league is is kind of static in terms of the teams that are up at the top and expected to make a run at it again. So I'm wondering, like, is there something we're missing and just saying that, okay, well, in the East, the Heat are going to run it back and the Bucks are going to be there and the Celtics might make a run this year. And, and you know, in the West, saying it's the Clippers or the Lakers probably. Are we missing a team like Westbrook, I guess? And maybe I, I just proved that because I didn't mention Westbrook going to uh, to Washington is kind of like an earth-shattering thing. Like, could the Bullets be that team to upset the Celtics or the Heat or somebody in round one and just turn the NBA on its ear? I don't know if there's going to be too many upsets. I think if there's an upset, it's going to be one that we've been telegraphing for a while. So yeah. like the Mavs, if the Mavs upset someone, you know? Yeah. I, think that, I think the team you're describing is a lot more like – the Nets were with D'Angelo Russell. Like okay. a team that's like young and really fun and they like being around each other and they're going to steal a few, mm-hmm. you know, and they're going to make other teams work. There's a lot more potential for some teams to be that. I do think Washington could potentially be that type of team, maybe not to that degree, but wraps itself around the identity or like being like, we're Russ's team, Russ is driving the bus. We're all going to get on his page. And it's the type of culture shift that you need for a franchise to catapult from. If your culture is determined by a couple superstars who are just there for the time being, it's a short window. Look at the heat after the big three era there. You know Uh what I mean? Uh It's like crumble. Or the Lakers, or not the Lakers, I'm sorry, the Cavs after LeBron both times crumble. And being fine with crumbling and being like, our entire economy is propped up by this these two guys are this one guy and that's it. You know? Our economy is based on LeBron James. These were not Detroit. Like, so yeah, exactly right. Where So, but if you get someone who's going to change the culture of a team that can continue and build on itself. That's why I bring up the maps, you know, young team, but it's Lucas team, but Luca just elevates the level. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean like people trying to like people, I do think there'll be some people in the NBA who want to go play with Luca or see the potential of not only the Mavs organization or the way they look at basketball or the way they invest in their players. That's, I just think that like, that's where it's going. That's my argument for small market basketball. If you get more smart people running teams, it becomes less about the glitz and glamor of New York, LA or Miami and becomes more about, well, this is what I can do with my career here Mm. because this is how they treat us. That's the type of environment that breeds like an upset machine, like an almost upset, right? Remember the Hawks in 2008 took the Celtics game seven? Seven games. Been, we we washed over un- that. Right. That would have been an unbelievable upset. But so, look at what the culture of the of the Hawks were for the next couple of years. You, then you get into like the Bud Hawks teams where it's like, you know, four of the five all-stars in the East are the four of the starting five from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. It's like that's the, those are the situations that I'm going to be looking for this season. See who kind of emerges as that. that so, like the, so like the Hawks of that era or the Baby Bulls of that era. Baby Bulls, you know, yeah. Kind of fit that you know young team that every everything kind of came together at the right time and they they got an upset and they you know filled out a blueprint for you know what their next five to ten years was going to look like. Um, but you know, with with say the Wizards, I wonder if that's like. Is Russ like this year's Jimmy Butler in, in the fact that, you know, it's, it's a culture shift. You've got 
you know, the Heat had some veteran players there already who were capable, but they also had young guys like a like a, a Tyler Harrow or like um, Duncan Robinson or Bam who went to another level. So is it like, is it Achimura is going to be, you know, maybe a candidate for that in Washington or, or Davis Bertans coming back, you know, now uh, financially compensated or Thomas Bryant or somebody making a, uh, a leap and, and being all that they can be to uh, quote a, an old U S army commercial. Um, <laughs> now that, that Russ is there to be their drill instructor. I think it's some of that. Cause yeah, yeah. You have a lot of young guys and you have a lot of, you have a lot of guys who I think have just been waiting for someone to be the boss, you know, like someone who can be the drill sergeant that, that they all, if they could tell it's not someone just playing the role, that's just how they are. And John Wall couldn't do that sitting in street clothes. So, and it's also, that's just not John Wall's personality from all the reports that have been like coming out over the last couple days and weeks. Dude just likes to go out. Dude likes to party, which is great. Good for you, bud. You're a millionaire. Awesome. Do it up. Russ is a creature of habit. You know, he's in the gym. He's the first guy in the gym. Last guy to leave. He's getting shots up. He's working with trainers for absolutely everything. That investment in yourself and the way you put yourself forward, that's an easy, that's an easier thing to replicate. You know, like you've heard the story, same as me, is like what really killed Antoine Walker's career was trying to keep up with Michael Jordan at a casino. Mm. That's like it would have been better if he tried to keep up with Michael early Michael Jordan. And putting up jumpers and, you know, just being insanely committed to your craft. So now you've got two guys on Washington that are insanely committed. Brad Beal and Russ Westbrook. Yeah. You have young guys on that team who now have like those models to go after. Especially like there were rumors a couple weeks ago. I don't think this will happen necessarily. But them trying to target a guy like um, Andre Drummond Mm -hmm. to bring in like another guy where it's like has played, played in Detroit, plays in Cleveland now. is probably has probably wasted a lot of his career, just not in an optimal situation. Yeah. But when you have two guys, but now if you bring it together, like Voltron guys who have not been in optimal situations for the past couple of seasons that can form and be like, we can do this. Then that repeats another pattern that's close to our hearts. And that's the 0708 Celtics. Yeah. I mean, now granted, no one's going to confuse Andre Drummond. With uh, any one of the big three there. I mean, you know, Drummond's almost closer, former teammate Greg Monroe, who for a lot of years people were like, oh, man, this guy would be great if he was just in the right situation. And it turns out now he's on the – or Monroe's gone. I don't even know if he's in the league anymore. But uh, Drummond now is, you know, like a 30-year-old guy. It's like, what what has he got? But but I see the psychology of it, you know, definitely. And it's it's probably going to play out in in certain ways because – like we were saying in our, in our voicemails earlier this week with, uh, you know, Giannis recommitting to Milwaukee and, you know, Dame Lillard, obviously this was in the past, so like kind of recommitting to Portland. You have, I guess, more opportunities for guys to be a part of just the parody means that you can kind of have your own story or redemption element in, in more outposts rather than it just being like, all right, it's going to be Cavs Warriors in June. And the next 82 games are going to stink. We have no chance. You know, I just, I feel like, yeah, the Lakers are probably the favorite this year, right? They made yeah. some nice offseason moves and, and, uh, you know, their principles are still there. But there's, I think, a lot of opportunities for, well, maybe that upset or, or just maybe one of the teams that we thought about near, near the top of that list, you know, jumping over the Lakers this year. 
So, Fingers crossed, man. I really don't want the Lakers to win 18 titles. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's inevitable. Yeah, It's it's absolutely inevitable that the Lakers are going to stockpile championships at a greater rate than the Celtics over the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. <laughs> it sucks. No, no, no. You're right, but I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I mean, what, what was it? I wrote an article about it. Since 86, the Lakers have two, five, eight, and the Celtics have one. So, I mean, it obviously a very like specific starting point for that analysis. Yeah, but it's uh, it's not good. It's not good. Not great. It's not great. <laughs> that there we go. There's the tagline for this uh, first podcast of the Over Thirty <laughs> League. It's not great. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you actually how it's how it's gonna go here. Uh, we are gonna reconvene next week in some form or fashion, whether it's leaving each other a bunch of voicemails or uh, actually sitting down for a pod. I have no idea when my family is gonna be joined uh, by our second child. Right. Yeah. Um, so you know, no control over that. But I think we should plan on uh, having more conversations about basketball and uh, getting them out there to the public as we establish the over thirty league as the preeminent over thirty league of the podcasting realm. The one thing you can always count on for me, Sean, is that my ringer will always be off. Call me whenever you want. Leave as many voicemails as you can. Hey, you, you've been my friend for 15, 20 years now. You know exactly how that goes. No one can ever fucking get a hold of me for to save their life. They could be. What was it Jay Hall used to say? I could. Was it like my house could be burning down and I'd call you and, and you wouldn't pick up. And somebody goes, why wouldn't you call the fire department? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Don't call me if your house is burning down or otherwise, but same thing applies. So we'll uh, we'll meet back up. We'll uh, we'll we'll put it out there, and and uh, hopefully this will be fun. All right, my man. All right, over thirty league. Sean Silver, Patrick O'Connor. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.